Let's take off. Bongani and Nala on Radio 2000. Good Tabi Singh to Bazana on the line. Good morning, Tabi Singh. Welcome to the takeoff. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Tabi Singh, maybe before we speak about what went down um, on the actual trial yesterday, let's talk about mm. what happened before. Uh, if you remember the advocate uh, Uti for getting arrested, which I guess also almost added um, fuel to the already theories that are going around out there. Do you think that was the right move to do it in the way that they did it during the actual trial? You know what? So many of us in the in the field were actually kind of appalled by the manner in which the arrest was effected. It was really not necessary. Because even, for example, a normal accused person, if they are appearing in front of this specific court, and there's a warrant from, from another court, they actually wait for the court to adjourn, and then they ask the court orderly, court orderly is the, the police officers that are around the court throughout the day, and say, can you just make sure that the accused person, before they take him to the to the prison, that this warrant be effected on them downstairs in the cells. So it's not it's not a spectacle the way it was done with Advocate Devo. So what they could have done is that once everything is done and dusted, once he steps outside, the court orderly would have issued him with the warrant and he would have gone peacefully, but not the way it was done. It really was not necessary. It was not like he was going to be fighting or going for a flight, uh, being a flight risk rather. And then over and above that, when the advocate was asking, what am I being arrested for? And then um, the, the IO who was doing or effecting the arrest was not expecting explaining that to him, now what's going on, which caused agitation. Really, the way it was done was yeah, untasteful. Right. Uh, and, you know, I agree with you, it fueled a lot of speculation on already a case that has a lot of issues surrounding it. Look, look so let's speak about where we are okay. now, right? It looks yeah. like there are two separate probes by the police. One on the lines yeah. that it was a robbery gone wrong, um, and that's how Cezo got shot, um, and that's why these men obviously are on trial. And then yeah. there's, an, there's another one that says no one came in this house. Um, Senzo Mayo was shot by people who were in the house. And obviously the advocate basically said, Kelly Kumalo, um, there's two dockets. It's, three, it's 375, um, which says mm. Kelly Kumalo should be charged. And there's 634. Is, that, is yeah. it normal that there are two dockets open on the same case? And then the NPA, I'm assuming, just chooses whichever one that they think is easiest. How does it actually work? No, it's, it is normal for two doctors to be opened, especially if the complainants that opened are two different people, but on the same, on the same kind of crime. But once the court realizes that there's two dockets on the same charge, what they do is then consolidate the two, and then they, the one case number falls away, but then the, the information in that case number, docket number, gets transferred to the latest one that was opened. But in this matter, remember, I think about four or five months ago, Advocate Defoe actually did go on SCBC for a, a good 30-minute interview where he was delving into these two different dockets and what happened and the relevant IOs who were then dismissed on the one docket that says the people in the house, specifically Kelly Kumalo, uh, should have been charged for the crime. That the people who were involved in, they were basically removed from that docket and, and the investigation was halted and all of that. So um, it has been, he has known and it has been put out there for quite some time. But now he's putting it now in cross-examination where he's saying that this is the evidence that's going to be led going forward. Should it come forward from his side, the state now has a choice to decide whether they're going to charge Kelly Kumalo based on the evidence that's going to be alluded in court uh, on a different charge or add her to the current charge that is that is before the court. So I don't know how the... 
the evidence will be uh, affected and how the the, the then decide in terms of charging the people who have been mentioned in the crime. So in Tabi saying best case scenario, Kelly Kumalo gets acquitted and um, she is free. Uh, yeah. Can she claim for defamation of character? What avenues can she go through to ca- try and clear her name at this stage? At this stage, it's just a matter of, um, you know, doing what I suppose people would do, that I was never there, and or, or rather I'm not, um, I'm not the culprit in this matter, etc. But until she is actually charged, um, she cannot exactly do anything in the criminal aspect. But right now, remember, if she goes and opens a civil case against the advocate, it will be a fruitless exercise because he, um, the advocate is basically putting forth what the evidence that's going to be led by his clients is going to be. So it's, there's nothing really she can do. You can't say, advocate for defame me, and as a result, I'm going to sue him. Mm-hmm. What legal basis do you have? Because we have a right sure. as attorneys um, to put forth our client's version to the, to, to the witnesses so that they can either... Uh, on whatever we're going to put to, the, to them yeah. coming from our clients. That is our right, and that is our client's right to put forth their own version of sure. what happened. So if after this whole case and, and Kelly Kumal and everybody else are not charged, then um, really there is nothing much legally that she can do. But if it continues after the matter is done and dusted and she was never charged in, in, in the first place, then she can continue on with the defamation of character case. Okay. But if she does get... Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, I was going to ask, um, if she does get, like you were going to say, worst case yeah. scenario, if, um, you know, the, the eyewitness that is going to take the stand soon uh, that claims yeah. that she did kill Senzo Meiwa with a gun by mistake and it is proven, she's proven guilty, what does that mean for her? Then it means the state now has a duty to now um, open a case against her because even if this case is finalized without her having been charged, it doesn't mean she can she cannot be charged for the murder of the deceased. The um, the application of in, in America it's called double je- double jeopardy mm-hmm. would not apply to her because she wasn't charged in the first place and now she's being charged with the same crime again. Mm-hmm. So um, even if she's not added to this current charge, then she can be a, a separate case can be opened for her for culpable homicide because it's being alleged it was um, a mistaken um, death or, or shooting. But over and above that, the, a, a charge that would be added will then be um, defeating the ends of justice and most. Uh, likely everybody else who was involved in that house, um, in the in the shooting, who were present in the house, might be added as accessories to the crime because they all work together to hide the fact that uh, Kelly um, um, committed the said offense. Just, just last question before we let you go. I mean, I was watching the cross-examination between, I think, Advocate T4, um, yeah. you know, as well as the forensic officer, Utabo Mosia. And there there was conversations around the crime scene having been compromised and contaminated. When you look at it, do you think Utabo Mosia is a reliable witness? You know what? Uh, Unfortunately, the way that he has explained himself makes the, the fact... Okay, in criminal law, there's things we call chain evidence. So yeah. the reason that advocate therefore is asking just the way he is, he's trying to establish a chain. Because the first person on the scene, if they do certain things, the next person on the scene and hands over certain information to the next person, that chain should not have been broken. If there's a break in the chain, this is now the technical side of criminal law. If there's a break in the in that chain of evidence, then it shows that whatever has been put forth to pin on the accused person cannot stand because there is nothing that is linking them because something in the middle happened between the 
the beginning and the end. And the way that the I.O. is now answering questions, it shows a lack of consistency in the manner in which the evidence was collected, which then gives the defense team a leg to, uh, an upper leg over the state in order for the accused to probably be found not guilty. It's going to be interesting to follow through. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you so much. The Takeoff, live and exclusive to Radio 2000, 97.2 to 100 FM nationwide.